You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button for us. We'd very much appreciate that. And subscribe to the channel that you're watching on right now. And uh, if you're listening, just hey, oh, take out your phone and, and hit follow if you're in Spotify. Subscribe if you're in Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so, so you do not miss an episode. All right, let's go around the NFL uh, the rest of the league, see what we think about their draft. Uh, we, we're not going to go through like every team or anything. Uh, Anthony and I did do that on the radio show. If folks want to check that out on our YouTube page or in our did podcast you really? for the Hoffman show. Damn. Yeah, we went, we went past, uh, we did it after the first round. We did pass fail grades for every single team, which was, which was uh, kind of fun. Um, but we, and then on, we did on, only the first round though, right? Yeah. We didn't, we did some winners and losers, but we didn't do every team. Uh, so who, who are your, favorite picks favorite teams how they how they did it uh this this past weekend i mean this is going to sound super lame but the philadelphia eagles i mean like they just played their board they traded up for the best player in the draft you know like and again it goes back to that carson wentz um you know situation and, and them getting uh a really good football player and having opportunities to take more bites at the apple and i feel like they don't reach they're very good they're very efficient and I just think that's good process, you know, like um, Nolan Smith, that's a crazy pick. Tyler Steen, an offensive lineman I love that fills a need for him. Sidney Brown, one of my favorite uh, players in the entire draft, like that kind of box safety with, I think, some post upside. Keely Ringo in the fourth round. I didn't like him, but again, to get that kind of athlete with that kind of upside in the fourth round, I mean, like, I just love their evaluation. I love how the board fell for them. I think that, you know, uh, well, Howie Roseman deserves a ton of credit, and I don't know. Like, it just—it's hard to argue with this draft. They get Tanner McKee, a backup quarterback. More Ojiomi from Texas was a guy that I thought was had some really good pass rush juice on the inside. He's their seventh round pick. A lot of people haven't had him a fourth round grade. People I was talking to. So the fact that that happens, like, I mean, they get really good football players, really good value at every level of the draft. And I also want to point out. They had two third-round picks, which allows them to get those two, Tyler Steen and Sidney Brown. And again, you were talking about this earlier, Craig, with the, um, the you know, the the desert of, of, the, of a third round for the Commanders. And, like, there were a lot mm-hmm. of good football players here, late second, early third. And I think they were able to, um, you know, Philly was able to capitalize on that big time. So, Yeah. Um, I'll say this about the Eagles draft, though. Um I do think it probably won't be as genius as it looks right now, even if it's very good. And yeah. what I mean by that is 
Howie Roseman did the thing that if you want job security and you're an NFL GM, you should absolutely do, which is take the guys everyone's heard of. Um, you, you, you go based off like the consensus big board. And I'm not saying that the consensus big boards are wrong or that whatever, but like everyone loves the story of, wow, he took all these Georgia players. Like, wow. Jay, I mean, look, Jalen Carter might be the best player in the draft. And part of the reason he might actually pan out is because he goes to a system in Philadelphia that can absorb his character and get the most out of him. You're not going into a room with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and not reaching your potential. Those dudes are going to be on you and they're pros, and they know what they're doing, and they know how to get the best out of their teammates. You've seen it with Josh Sweat and Hassan Riddick. Like, those guys younger coming up, getting mentored by some of the best in the business and some of the best pros in the business is going to help these players, whether it is Akili Ringo, whether it is a Jalen Carter, be the best versions of themselves. But you also, like, the chances that all these guys hit and, like, Nolan yeah. Smith works out at 238 and Jalen Carter puts it together and Keely Ringo is the guy that we saw as a freshman, not the guy we saw in the two years since they got him dropped all the way to the fourth round. Like that's, there's just, it's probably not going to bat a thousand, but people well, for are, me, for me, are psyched about it because of, of the name value. Well, for me, it's like the thing that makes the draft, obviously the name value is big. The thing that makes the draft are the two third round picks. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Brown, which are Illinois. players that a lot of media folks also loved, and but they might yeah. also love them for good reason. Like, yeah, like they're good not, football players. They're good football players, numb. and I think that's why that's why I'm high on them. Right? Is because like yeah. I think Tyler Steen's going to fill a need for them right now. He's played a ton of football. He would have been a perfect fit here in Washington. Loved him. Like very very high floor type of pick. Uh, Brown again, like one of those box guys. Great attitude. You know, like a guy you just want to bet on. You know, so from a gambling mm -hmm. standpoint, they might have incurred a lot of risk with the first two picks, but I feel like they were like, all right, we have this risk with the first two. Let's be safe here. Went back to a little bit risky. But I, I think I think the reason the draft is good for me is because they got two guys that are going to start for them, quite frankly, um, in the third round. And I think that's exactly what you want to do. And um, again, I go back to Washington, not having really a third round pick till later. And that's one of the reasons why that hurts them. So. Yeah, definitely. Like, again, if they only hit on, you know, how, I don't know, let's say they got seven guys. I don't know how many they actually got, but if they got seven guys. If they hit on five of them uh, to the level that people think they might have, like, that's still an incredible draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is kind of funny to watch people freak out over everything the Eagles do because it becomes a little bit of a snowball effect. Yes. Um, yeah, and look, absolutely. I have, I have certainly praised what they've done because what they've done is incredible from a process standpoint. Um, but we'll see how it ultimately pans out. Right. Um, but we'll see isn't very exciting radio uh, or, or podcast. <laughs> but it's so, true. It's, it's like, okay, I got one thing I got to say. The thing yeah. I hate more than anything in the entire draft is post-draft grades. I cannot stand that stuff. It's like, you have no idea. You're grading based on your evaluation. But like, so person A has evaluation, person B has evaluation. They're going to give you a completely different grade. And these guys haven't played a down of NFL football yet. Like, oh my gosh, it pisses me off so bad. But that's a conversation for another day. Sorry. I mean, it it's kind of like the, what we're doing, just a different version. We're just willing I, to have a nuance and not I put know, a grade on it. But like when I see like, so for example, like um, 2012, right? It's, uh, Seattle Seahawks gets an F from Bleacher Report, their draft. They drafted Bruce Irvin in the first round, Bobby Wagner in the third, Bobby Wagner in the second, Russell Wilson in the third. Like they have two Hall of Fame players almost on their in that draft, and one guy who played for 15 years in the NFL. Come on, man! Like, what are we doing? We don't know. And so, like again, like I think what we're doing is we're providing context here in a way that is not F A B C D E whatever. 
like we're saying Jalen Carter, best uh, before the draft, best talent in the draft. Character concerns, which make that a little bit risky, but I think it's worth the risk at nine. Um, same thing with Nolan Smith. He's a top 15 athletic talent, falls to you at 30, seems like good value. Two yep. good players in the third. That, to me, that's what a grade is about. Right. Like, what kind of value did you get? Right. But also, like we, I've talked about a lot on the radio this week, and we talked about earlier in the week, like people are killing the commanders because they took Quan Martin because they think it's bad value. But like, you know, I had Matt Miller on the show on Monday, and he's like, on my board, he was lower, but I, I get why they took him and have no problem with it because he fits right. what they do. I'm right. not, I'm a scheme agnostic, like board setter Person. because yeah. I don't, I don't run a football team. Uh, but that, you know, players are going to slide up and down based off of what they do for your team. And that, you know, that's a good pick, even though it seems based off my board, like a reach. And again, um, so like, yeah, I, I said, I said yeah. he was the highest player on my board at 47. And that's because I try to fit my board to Washington. For the commanders. So it seems yeah. like the right fit. You know what I'm saying? So that's, again, where yeah. I would say, you know, like the national people don't quite understand. And he might be a bust. Who knows? I don't think so. But like, sure, it might not work out. And that's I'm willing to acknowledge that. So that'd be fun. That'd be a fun exercise, actually, to go back and be like, all right, we're going to once a week for the next couple of weeks, starting in like 2015, actually do draft grades. <laughs> yes. Let's go back. Go and back. See, Dude, see how they how they did uh, in hindsight. Um, all right. So other other draft winners, losers, et cetera. I love what Arizona did. Um, they had Arizona. a guy that they would have taken happily at three with Paris Johnson. They trade back to 12, then trade back up to six. And in doing so, get a future first out of Houston, which might be the best pick in the draft next year. A draft that is loaded yeah. at quarterback in a year where if they are also drafting the top of the draft, they could have the first two picks and be looking to replace Kyler Murray. So it is like... I, the funny thing is, I think we disagree on Houston, which we can talk about in a second, but I love what Arizona did, getting Paris Johnson, getting that extra first-round pick. Um, I got to look at what else they did in the draft, but I I was a huge fan specifically of that move oh, yeah. because I think I think Johnson's the right guy, and I, and I think the way they... Like, they were able to do the thing that we, you know, talk about doing when we do our mock drafts of like, ah, oh, we're going to trade down here. Then let's trade back up and trade. Like they actually did it in real life. And by the yeah. way, I also like a lot of their, you know, their next couple of picks, Ojolari in the second round, yeah. one of the better edges in the draft. Uh, Garrett Williams, obviously I love him because he went to Syracuse. And by the way, congrats to Michael Wilson, uh, yeah. second, second pro athlete in his relationship, because I think I mentioned <laughs> his girlfriend is the best player in the national women's soccer league, Sophia Smith. Uh, so kind of cool uh, to watch that play out uh, over the weekend. Uh, he, he goes like she, she's been a pro for like three years because she went pro at like 19. But congrats to Michael <laughs> Wilson um, out of Stanford. And then, you know, they get John Gaines, too, out of UCLA, yeah, who a player. lot of people really, really like in the fourth round. So I, I really like what what Arizona did from value standpoint, player selection standpoint. And, uh, you know, getting that that future one from Houston next year, which is, could be very easily. I I would bet on you know if you tell me top five pick or or later I'm taking yeah. top five pick with what Houston the way Houston set up this year. No, absolutely, and I think um, that's a this feels like a I think this gets thrown around a lot, but a a franchise changing type of move, right? You get some really good football players this year. You add draft capital next year and a draft a, a draft piece that's going to be probably a top five pick. And think about the draft capital you can accrue off of that. Think about what Philly did. 
every time they got that first round pick and then traded out of the spot, they just added value and the ripples effect of that, that piece. And so again, like I, I love, I like Arizona. I like they were able to do that. Got the player they wanted, got more stuff. I hate, I don't hate. I mean, I strongly dislike what Houston did as kind of the mirror effect of that. So, um, and again, so Arizona did a good job. I think, I think Houston with where that roster's at, they needed to make, are we talking about things we don't like, or can we talk about this now, or should we wait? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Houston real quick, and then I want to talk about Detroit to wrap it up. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So Houston just it bugs the heck out of me because what is the what is the the actual percentage difference between Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson and Lucas Van Ness? Like, what is the actual percentage difference to your roster? And in that roster as it exists right now, I'm going to say not very much. Now in three years. Maybe Will Anderson will be better. He'll have a better supporting staff. I do think he has a higher upside. But also, I'm saying, I need more people to fill this out. I need more youth. I need more talent. I need to just upgrade everything. And you're giving away picks, giving away, you, you, for one player. And I just don't think that's that's good process, quite frankly. And that and that really was, was confounding to me, I think, and something that um, I found very frustrating, honestly eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, so this is... I I, I look at the trade as trading for CJ Stroud, not for trading for Will Anderson, um, if you will, right? Obviously, they, they ultimately take Stroud second and Anderson third, but they, they had to already be in discussions and know that that was in the works, and they could have easily flipped that. My this this entire thing for Houston hinges on whether how much you like CJ Stroud and if CJ Stroud works out, because I think one of the things you can do with draft capital is move up and target guys. And, and they did that. They had what? I think 12 picks initially. They wind up taking like seven or eight. And, but and, and literally every pick after Stroud is involved in a trade in some form or fashion. But they get the guys they want. And, and if you are yeah. right on those, you have built a foundation for your roster and the thing about Anderson that I love, admittedly, and why I would have taken him, you know, over Stroud, in my own personal opinion, is, um, like, he's the culture setter for the franchise. Tyree Wilson's mm -hmm. not that. Lucas Van Ness probably is not that either. But Will Anderson, you know, I'll, I'll steal this quote. I don't remember who Landry said said it, but Landry Locker, who hosts on our sister station down in Houston, said this on my show. It's like D'Amico Ryan's drafting D'Amico Ryan's. And mm, to get that yeah. leader and tone setter, culture setter for your franchise, even if it doesn't make you a good football team this year, 
like, okay. Like that's why I would have taken Anderson and figured out quarterback next year, knowing that I was probably bad this year. If you love Stroud though, okay, you get your quarterback and, and then you don't have to worry about it as much next year. That's where it hurts though, because the chances are, even if Stroud works out, he's not going to be very good this year. And you probably gave him a top five pick in one of the most quarterback rich drafts in recent memory uh, in terms of how it's projecting out. And even if you don't need quarterback next year to be able to trade out of that pick and get more capital, that hurts. So that's kind of where I lose, I lose the pro Houston argument is like, I, I don't mind if you get your quarterback and your, your future team captain and the two and three, those are picks well spent. Right. <clears throat> but from a value standpoint, I do think giving up a top, a, you know, a pick next year, unless you think that you have the ability to to be in middle of the the pack team this year on the ascent, is is probably a huge mistake. I totally agree, and that's the thing that really bothers me about it. It's not this year. It's not. There's nothing wrong with Phil Anderson. It's just like, does he move the needle more than the pick you're going to have next year, the trade opportunity you're going to have next year, you know, where you can you know, maybe get a good football player from another team. You can trade back into the meat of a round, get more first-round capital for the after. It just seems like you could have built this team for three years off of this one pick, you know? And I think that's why I feel so good about what Arizona did. And I'm kind of like Houston scratching my head a little bit because they didn't need to take um, Van Ness or anything like that. They could have traded up for Darnell Wright. They could have traded up for, you know, Paris Johnson, moved, uh, had him play guard. They could have done a million things to help this group be a little bit better. Um, and uh, and I think, I guess maybe I was not as high on Will Anderson as being like definitively the number one defensive player, um, but obviously they were. So I think that that's something that, um, you know, I'm not going to second guess that, but I do think the draft capital thing is something I'm always like, that's going to that's gonna bite you in the butt, I think, moving forward. So, Yeah. All right. So last but not least, let's talk about the Lions, the most interesting team in the draft probably. Um, I do think their, their GM, Brad Holmes should probably stop talking a little bit when he talks about, we would have taken Jameer Gibbs at six. It's like, are you taking him <laughs> over Bijan? Okay. That's maybe that, I can t- see that. Honestly. Tell, us, tell us more I, about how you have all the information. I mean, so what I, I'd say, I know I, Jameer Gibbs is really good and I know he's flexible and kind of hits, fits a mold for what they want in that offense. I don't even hate them taking him as high as they did. The, the Jack Campbell one, I don't, I have a little bit harder time justifying, but, um, I, just, I it's it's they play by their own rules and if they're right they're going to look like geniuses and if they're yeah. wrong then Brad Holmes is going to be out of a job and probably never be a GM in the NFL again. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, <clears throat> in a, in, I don't agree with this, but I can see what they're talking about because I do think Jameer Gibbs fits the NFL in its current iteration a little bit better than B. John Robinson. Like he's a satellite player, he catches the ball exceptionally well. He's like a, you know, a receiver running back. He's great in space. Uh, He runs outside zone well. So I kind of get what he's saying. Like, do I think he's probably hyping it up a little bit? Probably. But I kind of, if you tilt your head and look at it, you're like, okay, maybe. But I think that's a little high for running back, right? A. But again, in a a draft that's kind of devoid of offensive horsepower, I think that's one of the reasons why you feel okay with that at 12. Yeah, I think you also have to think of him as like, receiver running back right like he's a guy that's gonna like get 15 to 20 yeah they'll line him up 15 to 20 touches a game he's gonna line up in the slot he's gonna line up in the backfield they're gonna do a lot of different stuff with him he's fast he's really explosive like home run hitter yeah you know i'd love it even better if if uh, williams was gonna be there the kid from alabama that got caught gambling he's only gonna miss six games but like that offense with those pieces in, in there 
that's a scary proposition to me. That's so much speed. That offense totally changes from kind of this smash mouth, grind you out to a team that can just take the top off at any moment. They have people that can win one-on-one matchups. So it, long and short, I do like the pick. It seems a little, still seems a little high at 12, but uh, I, I, you know, I think that's just because you're thinking of him as a running back and not necessarily like a playmaker. Right. But the Jack Campbell one is, uh, that one's harder to explain. Dude, I absolutely love Jack Campbell. I love him. So part of me is like, you got to, you got the best linebacker in the class. You got a guy, talk about a culture setter. Like, holy cow, leader, smart, very Dan Campbell esque in terms of pick, just mindset. 18, they both seem high. But again, in a linebacker class that's weak, Dan Campbell was like, a guy in, unto himself. Like I was like, man, he, I would Jack love Campbell. I said, Dan man, Campbell, also a man unto, unto himself. himself, but Jack Campbell was yeah. on, on an Island by himself. And he was one of the best linebackers that I'd watched the last four or five years, you know, like, um, you know, just his college film and what he, they were asking him to do. And that's including like Micah Parsons, like Micah Parsons was so raw at Penn state and Jack yeah. Campbell was like the opposite. Super well, let me ask you this coach. then, because, Another linebacker that went in that same range a couple of years ago is a guy named Jamin Davis. Who yeah. People were like, oh, he's overdrafted, but like ma- major upside. Like, I don't think people freaked out in the way that they freaked out about Campbell. Who's a better prospect, Campbell or That's Davis? That's a great question. Um, that, I think Campbell's a better prospect, honestly. You okay, know what well, I mean? If that's like, the case, then okay, fine. I guess we're wrong like, about 18. I, like he, he's ready to play. Like, he's like the best, the best way I've been able to describe him, I had to write an article about him, is he is Dick Buckus and Luke Keekley, like if they had like a child somehow, right? Just like this hyper-physical brute, but also hyper-instinctive intellect that you see from Keekley. He's been training with Keekley. Like he's going to, I think he has the potential to be something very special. I still thought he would go at 47. So I thought Washington, maybe we'll go linebacker there and pick this guy. But obviously like Fred said it to me the other day and I, you know, Fred says some crazy stuff, smooth. But basically, like, if you got, if he's your favorite guy, like, take him at 18. I'm like, well, trade back, do something, get out of that spot. Cause, like, if the consensus board is, and you don't know for sure, so I'm willing to mm-hmm. acknowledge that. But if I can get him at 25, that pick looks way better, you know? And, and again, it doesn't matter. Cause I, I love Jack Campbell. I love Jameer Gibbs. I love, I love both of those players. Like, they're so good. They're so fun to watch. They're going to be excellent pros, but it just seems a little rich just based on the value of middle linebacker and the value of running back in the NFL. So, yeah. Um, and then they ultimately take hooker right later in, in that. So draft they actually had a really nice draft. They had Sam Laporta, yeah. who was probably, yeah, was that's, that's one of your favorites. Be a really good football player, really nice playmaker. Um, Brian branch in the second yeah. round. Again, like this is where I think it's interesting. You see teams with two seconds. Detroit has two thirds, right? You're able to get, really good football players. Hendon Hooker is like a value pick in the third round. Um, And then Broderick Martin, the huge defensive tackle out of Western Kentucky. Um, You know, like you just get people that are filling out your roster and like, that's awesome. And I think like, again, those two seconds, two thirds, that's, that kind of saves their draft in my opinion, because you get guys who are going to be good, solid role players on your team. And I think you get two really excellent football players even if they are a reach at 12 and 18. Yeah. On branch, by the way, you know, Martin Mayhew said in the press conference, he wishes he had been a little more aggressive in places trading up. Yeah. He goes like what three picks before the commanders take Martin. Do you, do you wonder if that's one of the guys that he wishes he had maybe been a little more aggressive trade up a couple picks and get in front of Detroit for branch instead of taking Martin. So looking at that second round, 
I actually had for this team, to be clear, I had a higher grade on Quan for this team because of the position mm-hmm. flexibility, because he can play true nickel, he can play the post, he can play in the box. And when I was talking to teams around the league about Branch, I got kind of some weird feedback. And a lot of teams said, like, he's excellent, but I think he's only a box player. And that was a little bit surprising to me. But when you watch the film, it kind of supports it. So you're kind of like, oh, well, if that's all you think he is, then what makes him different than Sidney Brown, right? Sidney Brown, the kid, this kid from Illinois, who's also a very excellent boss player, who's also a little bit more physical at taking on blocks, also a little bit more physical tackler. So you kind of say, well, if it, that's not as valuable as a guy who can play the post nickel, play outside, outside corner. And that's why I had a little higher evaluation for Quan for this team. In terms of players, I think they wish they trained up for. I, I, I'm... I'm pretty pretty positive. I don't know this for sure, but Steve Avila and Matthew Bergeron, right? Yeah. They go five and – what is that? Five and seven in the round, and I just think those are the guys that they were eyeballing, and I think they – I know they tried to trade up in the second round. I don't know the details. I don't know who it was for, but I would imagine just looking at the board right now, those are the guys that they were like, we got to get up there and try to get one of those guys, and obviously it just fell through. So – um I think that's the, the if I had to put money on it, that's who I'd say they were trying to get up for. Yeah. Um, did you, by the way, catch Mike Jones with Sheehan yesterday saying that uh, if Richardson had fallen, they might have tried to trade up to seven? To really? Him. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there was a, and there was the report from Breer right before the draft that, uh, you know, Marty Herney uh, really, really liked Richardson. Don't Not sure how, how pervasive that thought was through yeah. the rest of the staff yeah. um, and who was talking to who and, you know, leaks out whatever well, but that's, that was that's interesting you for bring sure. up a really good point there like so you know you're around the building and like guys this year they weren't very talkative because i think they were trying to keep their list pretty close to the, to the vest but in years past you can get a catch a guy and start talking to him like oh you know hey what do you think of so-and-so anthony richardson let's say hypothetically and someone's like oh i think he's garbage i think he's a fifth round pick whatever you know hypothetically yeah and then you talk to somebody like literally like five steps later it's like oh he's the best quarterback in the class he'll go number one overall you know, and yeah. so like just when you get those like little sound bites from one person, um, I they sometimes aren't aren't the truth for the organization. Just right. to, to bring that up, so. right? And it also is the kind of thing where and you again, just, just I, got, I got to say this: I, yeah. they no one told me anything about Anthony Richardson. That was a hypothetical example. Yes. I, no one told me anything about the trap right. this year. They were all very tight lipped. I'm talking like just as an example, just to make that yeah, perfectly no. clear. I, I, and it is the kind of thing where you wonder, like, as people look at this ownership situation, it's like, are we all going to need jobs in a year? And yeah, it's like, right. well, I'm going to go ahead and leak out that <laughs> I like this guy because that way someone else is like, oh, well, Sam, if Sam Howell goes down in flames, it's like, well, I wanted to trade up with Richardson. <laughs> I mean, especially when you're not the primary decision maker, right, then like you right. can say that yeah, kind of say stuff. Say whatever you there's want. No, there's no real consequences for it. So there's your there's your media hypothetical shenanigans at the end of the podcast all right next week we're gonna go deep on the nfc east the drafts uh there all four of them well obviously we've went pretty deep on one already in washington but the other three teams and then see how the division stacks up we'll also be closing in on rookie mini camp so that'll be exciting uh and we'll see if we can get another guest on to talk about everything as well so that's next week uh for now make sure that you have liked if you are watching on youtube and subscribe whether you are watching or listening youtube anywhere else apple Podcasts, spotify the always free odyssey app i'll see y'all on the radio from four to seven for the hoffman show and the team 980 make sure you're following uh all the commander stuff on youtube for logan and 
uh, following him on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. For Logan, I'm Craig, and we'll see you next time on Take Command.